Welcome to the Dimensions book series by K. Arwen. An extraordinary tale of an inner journey and a battle of good against evil. In this podcast, the heroine Kaya tells her own story from book one, The Awakening. Our journey begins on the Scottish Isle of Skye. Parallel realities interconnect and interweave. Step in and enter Dimensions. portal from the base led us to the shore by Leardolf's house. Leardolf looks across at the timber wharves. Only four, he says, touching Fraser's head. Fraser returns the look with a saddened eyes and whines, and the timber wharves stand back slightly. They look battle-weary. The skinwalker's blood is still matting their fur. I wonder why the portal didn't lead us back to the store, I ask. And I look at the tired wolves. Go into the sea. It can't be that good to have all that on you. The wolves give me an understanding glance and race to the water's edge. They begin splashing in the waves, a picture of joy. Gosh, they soon recover. I wish I could say the same for me. There's a sudden rush as the wind of metamorphosis saucer comes to land and uncloaks and Gwynedon and Metamorphos run along the beach to join us you've got it they exclaim seeing the crystal in my hand I hope you didn't have too much trouble we saw the explosions coming from the base and I take it's destroyed I don't think there's much left of it I reply we did have some fun and games that's for sure and made new friends I see said Gwynedon looking across at the four wolves, playing in the water. I chuckle, yeah, sadly though, there's only four of the pack left. Leardov suddenly gives a groan and collapses onto the floor, clutching at his wrist. And to my horror, I see that his wrist is slashed and a black fungi-looking mould is creeping up his arm. You're hurt! Leardov looks pale in the face. And there's beads of sweat forming on his forehead. The skinwalker landed a hit, he says, his voice thin and dry. I'll be okay. I look across to Metamorphos and Gwynedon and their faces look grave. I know that the skinwalker parasite will continue to spread and I stare at Gwynedon, who shakes his head. We can't heal that, Kaya. The only way to stop the skinwalker parasite and help Leardolf is to restore the great dragon. The parasite won't be able to survive in the dimension when the ley lines are strong. It's nothing, Leardolf says reassuringly. Honest. He sits down on the beach, looking exhausted. I want to stay and do something, but I know it's pointless. 
Metamorphus and Gwynedon help Leodov stand and begin to lead him gently back towards the house. Kaya, you have to go, Gwynedon says. I expect the old man of store brought you back here to confuse the skinwalkers and help you get away. But the rest will follow soon enough. Our only chance of stopping them and helping Leodolf is to restore the lay dragon so they can destroy them. I run into the house and take the two pieces of crystal from their hiding place. Now what am I supposed to do? Trying not to be panic-stricken, I close my eyes and take a deep breath. I still my mind and open my awareness. I feel the wind in my hair and the sea mist blowing against my face and the sound of the waves as they roll across the pebbles in the beach. They make a rhythmical sound, a sound of connection. And an eagle cries far up ahead in the sky and I suddenly have an awareness of the vastness of everything. I, I no longer feel separate. I am the sea, I am the sky, and I am the land that I'm sitting on. I know what I have to do. I pick the three crystals and holding them together as if they're all one and all connected, that's what I shout. I am the sea, I am the sky, and I am the earth, and I claim this crystal for good, I say, as I slam the crystal into the ground. It's as though time stands still and everything goes dark. Then the three crystals shine with an intense white light and mould together, reforming as one. And as they do, the light turns to silver and shards of different colour lights shimmer from it. And these lights appear to reset the colours of the landscape all around me, colouring everything they touch. And as if in slow motion, the landscape becomes bigger and more and more of it's lit up. I become aware of not being on sky, but aware of a green forest, of a cliff face, and I'm standing by the entrance to a cave. I stand there for a moment, looking. The mouth of the cave is a pit of dark black, overhung with ivy and dark green fern. It should feel peaceful, but my intuition tells me that something's wrong. And looking down, I notice two rows of footprints imprinted in the mud leading into the cave. Footprints that are marching side by side. I shudder. Cube collectors. I feel a cold sweat of dread and clutch the crystal in my hand. Immediately, I feel reassurance from its energy. And holding it slightly in front of me, it's almost like the glow offers a light like a torch in the inky black of the cave. I move the foliage to one side and step in. Inside, the cave appears to be normal enough. A tunnel of rock leading deeper down into the earth. Water's dripping from the walls and echoes in the gloom. And there's a familiar smell of damp and dankness. As I walk further inside, I see smaller tunnels and passageways leading off to either side. But ignoring these, I follow the main tunnel as it twists and turns deeper underground. The tunnel floor starts to feel slippery and eventually opens out into an enormous cavern. Holding the crystal high now above my head, I can gauge its size. The ceiling is high and reminds me of the vaulted ceiling from the Akashic Library. 
Stalactites and stalactites hang down from the ceiling and grow up from the floor near the cavern walls. And in places, these join together, forming huge columns of rock, of calcite, which kind of gives it a formal feel. Almost like a cloistered walkway around the edge of the cavern. And in the centre of the cavern, there's a dark lake, which expands across most of its floor. I walk over to the edge of the water. It's as black as a night sky and appears to have no light or reflective qualities, but then I'm in a cave. Yet the light from the crystal doesn't bounce back, but sort of seems to be absorbed into it, almost like some kind of black hole. I reach out and touch the water. It's as cold as ice and ripples away from me. It feels real enough, at least. I slowly walk around the edge of the lake, looking for another tunnel or passageway, but there doesn't appear to be anything. Well, it's kind of confusing, because if this is the end of the cave system, then what am I supposed to do now? I hear a noise from the opposite end of the cave, and the air around me starts to feel thick and static, a portal opening. I'm about to step forward, my instinct screams, HIDE! feel a sense of panic and looking around wildly I find a ledge that I can scramble up onto and I duck behind a column of rock just in time. There's an electric cracking sound as two cube collectors emerge from the lake. They look to be carrying what appears to be the broken body of a skinwalker. They pause and take in deep breaths. They can sense me. I hold my breath and try and calm my nerves, focusing on the rock around me and merging my thoughts into it. I am the rock of the cave, I say in my mind, praying that the cube collectors don't smell my presence. After a while they seem satisfied and walk silently in unison around the walkway and out of the cave. But I've got a feeling that they won't be gone for long. I dart over to where the portal is and begin to walk into the lake, an ice chill coming over me. The water's much too cold. I focus my eyes and and my breathing and send my thoughts to the ocean and the vast blue sky. I send my thoughts to Atlantia and the sea creatures. And I picture the current of the water falling around me and imagine that I'm connecting and talking to the great sea serpent. My body responds and begins to glow with now a familiar blue light and I morph into my Atlantean form. I approach the lake again and this time the cold has no effect. I walk deeper into the blackness and then dive, holding the crystal outstretched in front of me. Ahead now I can see the water looking denser. Vertical ripples create a mirage, marking the entrance of a portal. I swim towards it and feel the familiar stretching as I swim through. Cautiously, I surface, and on the other side I find myself in another cave that's lit by huge square lights that hang from the ceiling and give off a really harsh glare. The cave is large, but it feels has the appearance of being much smaller because at the far end is an enormous dragon that's too big for the space, and it's lying distorted and squashed, 
prevented from moving by thick, heavy chains that are fastened around its ankles and neck. The dragon looks very sick and emaciated. Its brown body is covered in patches of thick sludge that looks like skinwalkers' fungi. There's also large areas of burn-like marks on its body where its scales have been torn away and its flesh is scorched as if it's been tortured. My eyes are drawn to the large cuboid-looking devices that are standing away from the dragon near the edge of the cave. The chains that tether the creature are connecting into these, and I feel sick as I recognise them. They're similar to the ones that I'd received that I took to the recycling centre. Clearly the skinwalkers are using them to infect the dragon and perhaps try and get control of it. Well, I best not touch those, I think, as I look at the boxes. I can feel the evil and yet they look so innocent. Heaven only knows what they're doing to you, you poor thing, I think. The dragon itself is as still as stone. And I wonder whether it's actually dead and I'm kind of relieved when it lets out a weary sigh. Slowly the dragon drags its head across the floor so that it's facing me. An awkward movement due to the restriction of the cave. Free me. But how, I ask. Only you know, replies the dragon in a weary voice. I can't resist the skinwalkers for much longer. I sense a movement coming from the lake and I look around desperately. There's nowhere to hide. I run towards the dragon and duck behind one of the green boxes. I look at the thick chains connecting into the cuboid in despair. There's no way I can break them free. I sit down on the cave floor behind the cuboid device and focus on my breathing, doing my best to calm my thoughts and open my awareness. There has to be a way to free the dragon. There has to be. I take a deep breath as three figures emerge from the lake at the other end of the cave. For a split second, they're not aware of me. The cube collectors are embroiled in a conversation with the third figure. We need more boxes. What you've supplied isn't sufficient. The dragon's still resisting. Our directive was to examine the devices which we have, the cube collector replies. They're functioning correctly. But we need more, the figure persists. The Matrix Law demands that the dragon is broken and you're not fulfilling your directive at all. I peer out from behind the cuboid device, just as the cube collector clocks my presence. At the same time, my hands start to glow with blue light, just as they did in the underground base, and the light flows into the crystal. It flares and then starts to shine out like a star. I ignore the light. I'm more shocked to see who it is that the cube collectors are speaking to. Rick? I say, staring at the skinwalker before me. Yet I know in my heart it isn't him. My instinct telling me that if this person looks like Rick, then Rick wasn't alive anymore. Yet my head can't compute this understanding. I watch as Rick forces a smile and steps towards me. So good to see you, he says, moving towards me, holding out his hands. Wow, he points to the crystal. That's awesome. How are you doing that? Can I see? I'm kind of paralysed in a daze. I'm seeing Rick. Rick in a cave. 
goodness knows where and he's moving towards me holding out his hands for the crystal and I kind of find myself watching him my mind racing but not being able to move the last time I seen Rick he'd been in the study in the house he's now near enough one more step and he'll be able to grab me let me have the crystal he says but then something in my mind finally lets go no I look down at the crystal and consciously send all my energy into it. A beam of light shoots through my hands into the crystal and then the light starts to change. The crystal begins to glow with purple fire that burns cold like ice. I breathe deeply and focus on the light. Instinctively, I picture it becoming more intense and covering the dragon. And as I do, purple flame-like light moves towards the dragon, engulfing its body in purple fire. No! exclaims the skinwalker leaping towards me. I dodge him as the cube collectors move closer. I double my effort and the dragon lets out a sigh, first of relief as the flames purge the skinwalker's parasite and begin to restore it to health. And then one of rage. Intense yellow fire shoots from its mouth, destroying the chains and the cuboid devices. Its head now free, the dragon sends another blast of fire in the direction of Rick, who I know is Agaricus. He gives a look of dismay and then bursts into flames. It's a weird feeling. I watch as the person who appears to be my former partner is dissolved, revealing the grotesque writhing form of a skinwalker before that too succumbs to the fire. The dragon's gaining more strength and with another roar it stretches his neck and raises its head breathing fire at the cube collectors blasting them into oblivion too. I continue to send the light. It's as though the dragon's on fire with purple flames now and as I watch the dragon seems to breathe more and more of the purple light into its body becoming stronger and more vibrant and then the brown shell of its body begins to crack and fall away. Don't stop, says the dragon as I look in concern, thinking I'm hurting it even more. You're healing me. I redouble my effort instead. Intense light shooting out from my hands into the crystal and the purple fire continues to pour out. The dragon breathing it in, its muscles filling out now. And as they do, the final brown shell falls away, revealing a silver and gold scaled body. I stop channeling energy and gaze at the dragon in complete awe. I instinctively lower my head, sensing the dragon's wisdom. It's as old as time. A great being of the dimensions. Come closer, Kaya. It's time to leave. I climb gently onto its neck and the dragon takes a deep breath and sends a blast of fire that circles all around us. The air becomes intense and there's an explosion of light and then the cave just disappears. Thank you for listening. And so that you don't miss an episode of Dimensions from the book series, please follow my podcast, Dimensions the Book Series, KRWIN. If you're interested in exploring Atlantean light language and the ascension pathway within Kayamea, then check out Kayamea dot co dot uk or reach out to me on my blog site krwin dot co dot uk i leave you now with some atlantean light language enjoy now you are.